I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Toffee Web Podcast. Hello, Blues. This is the Toffee Web Podcast. It's the evening of the 29th of March as we record. The international break is winding down. Everton's players have not only had a relatively successful time with their respective countries, but appear to be coming back to Finch Farm healthy which is important given that the Toffees will be heading down the final 10-game stretch of the season when they kick off against Tottenham on Monday. And on this week's podcast, we'll be looking ahead to that game, chatting about the run-in as a whole, and then, in light of last Friday's somewhat surprising announcement by the Premier League, pondering what Everton's squad might look like in the event the club are handed a transfer embargo by breaching profitability and sustainability rules. This week, it's myself, Lyndon Lloyd, Paul Trail, Anna McCulloch, and Paul McParlin, we're delighted to welcome you back. How are you, sir? Uh, all good, thanks, Lyndon. Thanks for having me on the show. Once again, lots of things, lots of talking points this evening, probably more than usual, actually. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Uh, we had uh, Paul the Esk on over the weekend uh, to discuss that issue of Everton being referred to that independent commission. And we'll obviously get back to that topic later in the podcast. Um, but uh, Paul M. and Adam, I just wanted to get your general thoughts on it, uh, seeing as uh, Paul T. and I got to discuss it with Paul E. on Sunday. <laughs> Lots of Pauls. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, yeah, it's obviously, um, as, as, as we said, uh, just as we were joining this podcast today, um, Everton do really manage to ruin your weekend sometimes. Obviously did it without even kicking a ball last weekend. It was... It was very troubling, and I, 
I think um, I think as well, if anyone hasn't checked out the, uh, the episode with uh, you guys and Paul Viesk, it's well worth listening to, but it is it is a, a hard listen at times because you're faced with some very grim facts and some sobering uh, some sobering thoughts to contend with. Obviously, whilst we're in the midst of this relegation battle and it's probably playing out quite nicely in the Everton board's favour, I feel like the focus is going to swiftly turn back to matters on the pitch, but it's it's certainly going to be there bubbling away in the background. Um, I hope it doesn't affect uh, performances on the pitch. Um, I'm sure Sean Dyche, with the way that he's um, certainly addressed the uh, media, and I'm sure it's... Uh, even more so, the players will be keeping them incredibly focused. So, for now, I'm trying not to think about it too much, but it's it's very hard not to. And I think in a week where, um, as you both alluded to, um, there was even more scrutiny on the Premier League, and we've seen even today with the news about Chelsea and Vitesse Arnhem, I think there will be um, more scrutiny uh, for these kind of deals. And I think... We're probably at the tip of a very strange um, melting iceberg that is Everton's financial state. <laughs> yeah. So, so I, even though that's terrifying, and even though we can see it coming up ahead, uh, there's probably uh, the other rather large iceberg of uh, potential relegation to avoid first off. So, hopefully, uh, we can we can get that one out of the way and uh, cross that other uh, rickety bridge when we come to it. Yeah, I agree totally with what Adam said there. I mean, like you, know, I, I, I read Paul's stuff on Twitter, and he, he really does give an insight into how the the, the, the financial miasma that Everton are kind of facing at the moment. Uh, and he does a really good job explaining it in layman's terms, like myself, who, who's not that hot on finance. So I, I really do appreciate his contribution. And uh, yeah, it's 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 a really strange, as you say, Adam. I, I think you know. The, it, we have to focus the pitch rather than the finance, and, and the priority is just get through to the end of the season, and, and then you no, know, let's assess where we are by that stage. Uh, yeah, it's just kind of a pity that if there's not a, a double jeopardy kind of ruling in fine, football finance, isn't it? Because if there was, we'd have been cleared last March, and we couldn't. You know, it, it seems as though as though we were cleared then. Actually, we made a mistake in clearing you. You can come back in again and justify all these expenses. So mm-hmm. it does seem a, a strange situation, and. Uh, I don't know if it's encouraging or not that all the Premier League teams have been asking why are we being charged now? And you know, if there's some kind of a, if there's some kind of, uh, some kind of you know, uh, problems with Everton's books, why wasn't it? Why did the Premier League say, on the one hand, you're safe, it's, it's all being checked, and come back nine months later and say, no, actually, we need to look at look at masses again? Uh, I do have a concern that I do think with the impending arrival of, of the government-appointed football regulator. I think the Premier League is desperate to show that it's, it's kind of got a handle on club finance because quite clearly over the years it, it's had no control over football expenditure. And now that someone's going to, could possibly be scrutinising the organisation itself, maybe that's why they're, they're taking such a, 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 a retrospective interest in this. Uh, I also have this real nagging fear that you know, when you think one club is going to be made an example of, I can't see Man City will come out with this. Absolutely no problem whatsoever. But you just <laughs> yeah. have this nagging, you have this nagging fear that if you're looking for an obvious easy scapegoat, well, you know, there's one in Liverpool here who, you know, we could certainly make an example of. Let's hope it doesn't come to that. 
Well, we we have previous for being uh, the first and only club to be <laughs> to to be censured by the Premier League for some rule that never gets then applied to anybody else. But uh, yeah, we'll uh, we'll revisit that issue uh, later in the podcast. But uh, for now, we'll focus on Spurs on Monday at Goodison. Uh, it's funny because listening to some of the other podcasts, there's been a certain amount of dread um, among some Blues about this three match stretch against Chelsea, Tottenham, United away. Um, my feeling on it is Frank Lampard's Everton would likely have returned around zero points from these three games, but that Sean Dyche's Everton is one that's uh, benefiting from his back-to-basics approach, gaining confidence every week, and it's very much a different kettle of fish. Um, Paul T., we chatted about this a little bit in last week's podcast, but things obviously in the interim changed at Spurs. Um, Antonio Conte's gone uh, one week too early, in my opinion. But, and the fact that their, uh, their injury problems have got a bit worse in the last few days with the news that Emerson Royale is probably out for the season now. Um, so uh, there's the, obviously for us, there's the weekly Will Dom feature. I'm not question, but uh, in general, how are you feeling about this one? Okay. Um, I felt worse about um, heading into Spurs games previously, I think. Um, you're right, you'd probably rather... It's quite funny, say world class manager like Conte. We 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 want him in the dugout for this game. It's, it's a bit ridiculous, doesn't it? But um, yeah, he's uh, he, he's gone. But the the, the the number two, I forget his name. He, he's still in charge, and I, I, I'm I'm guessing it's still kind of the same people in charge. I thought I'm a little, um, um, Mason is there as well, isn't he helping out? And he, he seems to be the guy who keeps is he our kind of David Unsworth, stroke Duncan Ferguson, the guy who keeps getting asked to sort of come in for Tottenham when they when they go through yet yeah, another managerial change. They really are like a bigger version of us, Tottenham, really, aren't they at the moment? But um, I think it still feels like a bit of a mess at Tottenham, quite frankly. I mean, I, I, I imagine the players probably don't know what the hell's, hell's going on. They're all coming back from international duty, um, and today the the managing director. Fabio Paratici is he, he's getting into a bit of problems from his time at Juventus today, and he's facing a, a ban and all that sort of stuff. All that white noise can't help um, their, their build up, and um, it's you know it's not it's not an easy game for them. Let's be fair, the way the way Everton are at the moment. Um, so you want about quality on the pitch, but I think you come to Everton, you come to Goodison, even in game, you're in for a tough game. You're not in for an easy ride, I don't think. So yeah, reasonably optimistic we can get something. Um, as a reference, last game, Harry Kane kind of always has Michael Keane's number. That, that's a little bit of a concern. Um, but other than that, I'm quite quite optimistic and probably fancying a draw. Um, I'm relieved the Charlsons don't like to see Richardson injured, but I'm relieved that he can't damage us, particularly as he hasn't scored yet uh, for Tottenham in the Premier League. That has a bit of inevitability about it. So, presuming he's not available, that's uh, that's a bit of a relief. But um, yeah, I'm quite. Certainly feeling quite good about it and looking forward to getting back to Goodison. I mean, you say um, Frank Lampard probably would have yielded zero points in these three games. That's not that's not unfair on Frank, I don't think. Um, and we've already got one more <laughs> than that from uh, the draw at Chelsea. So, um, yeah, let's, uh, let's see what we can get. Um, I think we'll get something from one of the two games anyway, whether that's home to Spurs or away at Man U. Yeah. Fancy Zabit and get at least one point on the board somewhere there. Hopefully more. But they're not you know, if you get come out of them three games of two points, it's not bad really, given what we were against them. We can kick on a little bit from there, hopefully. So, yeah, feeling good about it. Yeah, likewise. I I feel positive about us getting something. I I, I even think we might get a one nil win. I felt the uh, the same way as you, Paul. That um, I think we are exactly the sort of side that Spurs will not want to face right now. We are organised, well drilled, and I think that. Even though, yes, 
Spurs in utter chaos with Conte still there and clearly not wanting to be there would have been um, probably preferable and also a lot of fun um, for the armchair viewers. I think they are still in a fragile state and we are we are looking confident and on top. So I think um, I, can, I can definitely see us getting something. Um, if I'm being optimistic, it's three points, one nil win. Um, but we're, we're going to have to defend well, as you say. They've, they've got players, whether the likes of Richardson's fit or not. I, I did see today that he, he might be fit, and that narrative yeah. does does worry me a little bit. Um, oh. But I think, regardless of whether he plays or not, they've obviously got front players who can hurt you. Kane's obviously coming off a, uh, a confident week away uh, on international duty as well. But then, as you said earlier, Lyndon, we've got the likes of Anana, who's captain his country, who's in great form, but also will be so buoyant. And I think the whole team will be. So I'm I'm quietly confident, but it's it's not a game I ever really look forward to, um, Spurs, I've got to say. But I think I think this Spurs side is is not not one to fear as much. They they appear a bit disjointed and even though we might not have the quality they have um in attacking areas, I think we have got the organisation. So yeah, put me down as quietly confident. Yeah, I'd agree with both Paul T and with yourself there, Adam. Um, I'm kind of cautiously optimistic about this game. Uh, I think there's a couple of things working in our favour. Yeah, as you both highlighted there correctly, Tottenham just appears to be a club in total chaos at the moment, and you kind of wonder what impact that has on the team morale, the team ethos. Uh, you know, the, the new temporary manager, I think it's Christian Stellini. You know, I, I'm not quite... No, He's, a, he's basically a rookie manager. I know he's Conte's man, but basically, you know, he, he hasn't got the experience of managing at the top level in the Premier League. So that surely has to work in our favour as well. Like you, Paul, I've got a big concern about Michael Keane facing uh, Harry Kane. And in particular, I remember last year uh, at the Tottenham stage and when they just destroyed us on the break, hitting us with pace all the time. And certainly, you know, I'm sure Sean Dyche is going to have a far better tactical system to try and counteract the threats of being caused on the break by Tottenham. Uh, but I can certainly see a case for Conor Cody coming back in with this game as opposed to uh, Michael Keane, possibly. Uh, I think it works in our favour also. It's a night game. I, I, I just think we're more difficult to beat. Go to some power on the lights. I think the atmosphere is better. The crowd gets behind the team more. So I think that also works in our favour. And our home form since Dyches arrived has been pretty good, hasn't it? You know, four home games, one three. So you, you think at the very least we can get a draw out of this. But I've kind of earmarked this game's one. You know, we really should be trying to get three points from because the way the table might look on Monday evening with the results of the weekend, we, we could find ourselves back in the bottom three again. So it would be good to have, you know, to come out of this game with three points. And then that kind of takes the pressure off the United game a little bit. Uh, so, yeah, uh, I agree with, with Adam and Paul there. Coarsely optimistic. Just praying uh, just praying that Richardson's not fit to play because the the curse of the ex-player coming back to score. And don't forget as well, you know, Richardson's yet to score a Premier League goal this season. So you can just see where his first one's going to be, can't you? And even worse, you know, Neil Mopri's has to score more Premier League goals than Richardson this season. What odds would you, <laughs> would you have got on that in August? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think I, I think he, he has been rated as possible. I mean, I, you know what he was like when he was us. You know, you would think he'd be out, and then all of a sudden he'd be playing again. You know, he was he was one of those players where he'd go down 
and you'd look like he's got a career-ending injury and be up in, you know, two minutes later <laughs> bombing around like nothing had happened. So, I mean, obviously, I think this one's you know, slightly more than that, but let's hope. Let's hope. Um, actually, uh, on Richardson, a, a kind of unofficial um, weekly question. Is he the Everton player that you miss most, uh, Paul? It's for, for me, it's Lukaku, not so much because I had great affection for him as a character, uh, because it felt, felt like a stepping stone for him, but his, his goals were so important. Yeah, I, I think we've, we've never actually replaced Lukaku, have we, you know, since since no. he's left us. So that, that's been a big gap that successive managers are, are, have not been able to bring in a suitable replacement for. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, from my perspective, there's no question that Richarlison kept us up last season. I think he got six yeah. goals in the final nine games. And he, he, he was just like a figurehead for the team, wasn't he? You could just rely on him to produce something to get a point, to get a goal, to create a chance. Yeah, yeah. Uh, He's definitely up there in, in my top one, two, three. Uh, and one player I really do miss, which you may or may not agree with, is James Rodriguez because I never got the chance to see him play in the yeah. flesh because of the COVID season. I got tickets for one game that season, the League Cup game against Man United, and he was injured and he missed it. So it was so frustrating. But in terms of creativity in midfield, I think we have definitely last season, and this is lack somebody with that level of creativity to unlock defences. Yeah, it's hard to look past Lukaku, I suppose, isn't it? Because you're right, he's never been replaced in them goals. Or, um, yeah, never. It's obviously so hard. Goals so hard to come by for. As my, we said, I think we said it last season. I think one of the questions of one of the pods was like, if you bring any player back, yeah, mm-hmm. who would it be? And I think all of us unanimously instantly said Lukaku because you just thought, well, we bang out of trouble straight away, and it's kind of a similar thing. So you just just that reliable reliability putting the ball in and that. I had a similar thing with Hamas Rodriguez when, um, yeah, I, I tickets for the uh, for the, the Wolves one towards the end yeah, of the season. Yeah. We had a bit more of a crowd in, and, and you thought he was going to play. And it's just that uh, everyone was so disappointed when it was just like an hour before kickoff, you got the team news, he wasn't in the squad at all because he was going to Colombia. Yeah. Uh, and that was it, and that was him done. Yeah, you know I mean, it was just like, it wasn't like he was injured, but he was injured a little bit. But it was just so, it was just so, so deflating. It really was. We were so looking forward to, you know, he hadn't seen, any, seen him play at all. And I'm, oh, we're finally going to get to see him. And, didn't happen. So that was a that was a big disappointment. But yeah, the Charleston. It's 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 sad how it hasn't quite worked for the Charleston this season. The, the the games are seeing him. It's not it's not fun for want of you know, for lack of trying. He's been you know been out. He's he's had two very very unfortunate disallow goals in the Premier League. I think both like like marginal borderline or side, both which are very good goals as well. And uh, both of which he went off celebrating like a madman and need to get a recall. So he felt a bit sorry for him for that. And um, it's sad really that he hasn't really managed to, to, to find a back from that yet. But uh, yeah, I can uh, I can live with him, <laughs> get going another game without doing that until uh, <laughs> until and if he can maybe score a few past some of our some of our relegation rivals in the running instead, that would um that would that would certainly be much more much more favourable for me. Yeah, definitely. I think um the thing with Richarlison besides his goals and his effort was that he was he was a player that a lot of fans of other sides would say to me, oh, I hate him. And I think we've we've missed having that kind of figure in our side. I, I think probably the other recent one I'd maybe point to is is Tim Cale, someone who's sort of niggly and commits little cheeky fouls and gets gets in people's faces as well as scores at important times, scores big goals in big games. Um, so I guess he'd, he'd be another one in terms of goals from midfield as opposed to creativity from midfield. But I think, yeah, the the unifying factor there is someone who 
someone who can score, someone who can score consistently, someone who can score at the right time because we're at the business end of the season. And although there are signs that maybe the likes of Ellis Sims can chip in with some important goals, um, the likes of Damari Gray showing that he can at times as well. I think we do really miss that that regular goal scoring outlet. And and I know you've said this um, quite a few times as well in the, with regards to Lukaku. And I think Richarlson had this to an extent as well, scoring a goal out of nothing as well, taking yeah. a ball, running at someone mm. and scoring from w- without the need for any kind of real build-up or intricate play or route one or whatever it might be. Having that in a side is massive. And that's that's probably something we are definitely lacking. Um, maybe... Gray on a good day can provide a little bit of that, um, as he did against Arsenal last season. But um, that that would that would be nice to have back in the side. Another one would be um, uh, Baines or mm. or Luca Dean. Well, yeah, he's obviously left back's a problem position now. We saw a few times against Chelsea and Ben Goff, who was played in, but for one, he's not a fullback, and two, he's uh, he's not left footed, so he just didn't, he just couldn't do anything effective with it. And <laughs> it's not really his fault, that is it? But that's just uh, and uh, obviously Mikalenko. We don't need to harp on about his limitations, uh, for you know, in an in, in attacking sense. Um, he, he has got a lot of good qualities, but it's kind of night and day, isn't it, between the quality you, you had with Luca Dean or you had with, with Leighton Baines compared to what we now have with Mikalenko, you know, and certainly in an attacking sense. And it's not like they were bad defensively either. So that'd be another one. That's a bit of a bit of a glowing, you know, a bit of a bit of a glaring omission from the team as a is a quality left back at the moment when we just had two quality left backs, one after the other. And so it's um certainly something that we're, we're lacking at the moment. We do have Vinagra. But... <laughs> who, who now? <laughs> <laughs> Are you sure it's not Elgarzi in disguise? (laughs) (laughs) Nice. I mean, it it is one of the most bizarre. If you wanted to underline how poor Everton's recruitment has been, then the whole thing with Vinagri kind of of emphasised that. And even more bizarre, because, I mean, Kevin Thelwell knew him for Wolverhampton Wonders, Mm. so I'm presuming Mm. it was his choice to bring him here. Strange. Yeah. Clearly, neither of the uh, previous two managers have felt that he was up up to the job. Um, but yeah, I mean, you, you could name, I suppose, quite a few players that we really miss, and, it, and it's unfortunate that it, it's in, it's symbolic of really how we're having to get rid of our best players and our favorite players for various reasons. Obviously, Hammers Rodriguez is very expensive, but I mean, I would love to have someone, um, you know, around of, of his quality. And I think one of the, the most annoying things about his situation is he's actually played quite a lot of games for Olympiacos this season, so he actually yeah. could have yeah. probably played. I mean, we'd probably definitely be up on on FFP or you know profitability and sustainability <laughs> violations had we kept him or whatever we were paying him two hundred k a week or whatever. Um, but yeah, I think with Richarlison, the thing that I miss more than his more than his sort of because his goals rate doesn't really um, com- compare with Lukaku's, but it was just having someone out there that you knew was wearing everything, his heart on his sleeve, and was um, you know more perhaps than than anyone. Maybe Anthony Gordon, to a degree, was was really sort of representing the fans' passion and stress and pain on the pitch. Um, so that's kind of what I miss about uh, Rich Allison. But um, I mean, it looks like Spurs are going to be without Yves Bissouma, Bentancur, um, Hugo Lloris, obviously Ryan Sessegnon, uh, Emerson Royal, as I said, Ben Davies, uh, Ivan Perisic, and Rich Allison are doubtful. So they're struggling for fullbacks. Um, We've obviously got the uh, the Dan Juma um, 
aspect to this as well, which, you know, add Richard, fit Richardson and a Dan Juma. I mean, you've got narratives all over the place, but I'm, I'm just kind of hoping that with, uh, with Sean Deitch in charge, maybe we can get kind of stop um, eradicating some of these Everts and that things, um, you know, and, and just sort of put ourselves on, on a, on a different path. But um, from where we are concerned, um, as I mentioned earlier, we've got um, the Calvert-Lewin um, issue. I don't think he starts, but is this the game perhaps where he comes off the bench, for, hopefully, for you know, for the first time in, what is it, weeks now? We'll start to see, won't we? Um, I kind of already get the, the, the feeling that when will the, when will the press conference be with the game on Monday, maybe Saturday morning? Who knows? Uh, maybe Friday. Probably anyway. Friday. And sold Ando. Yeah, I just I could kind of already see Sean Dice being a bit, mm, no, well, let's see, you mm-hmm. know, like a bit cagey about it. And then come Monday, he's just, he's just nowhere to be seen. And I, I'm sorry to be negative, but just um, I'm not trying to have a go at Dominic at all. It just feels like that's, it just, I don't know. It's hard to be, it's hard to be optimistic and him being available, regardless of the, the little break we just had. And maybe I'm just looking at it that way of subconsciously being negative about then then when he is there it's like oh brilliant yeah it's a nice it might be a nice uh, a nice fill it when he when he is but um i'm just gonna i think i'm just leaning on the side of when he's there then brilliant and told them we crack on um and that's uh as they have been doing so um but what well, we found ways to score is the main thing i think one thing uh was apparent for me with lampard um he did not sulk about dominic's unavailability and Richarlison not <laughs> yeah, being there true. anymore and it's true that every every press conference you know and um whereas sean's sean's much more glass half full i suppose isn't he and just finds other ways a bit more blue sky blue sky thinking i guess and he's asking things of all the strikers and and the barbie gray he's, he's getting bits of mope he's getting bits of sims and the goal obviously the other day you know he's using it horses for courses a bit a bit i guess but he's uh he's getting every little bit he can out of them um which that's be fair flank wasn't really doing so um that's let, let's see on dominic what one thing is that just, just occurred to me as we, as we were talking about Spurs before as well. I mean, we've got an appalling record against Tottenham recently, haven't we? Yes. We haven't, yeah, we haven't ten years. in a long time. It's right? a decade. I think it's the, 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 the Ilovich game that we keep talking about, I think, is the last time mm. we beat them at home. <laughs> the last time we beat them at home, is it was that game. And that was 2012. Well, so. we, had, we had the Crackers Cup game, didn't yeah, we? Yeah, and, um, time, oh, that's true. Time. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> but in the league, certainly, absolutely appalling record, haven't we? We're definitely due. We're definitely due. Um, but on, just like going to, to before um, Adam and Paul jump in, uh, I, something crossed my Twitter feed this morning actually that uh, only Leeds have 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 more players who have chipped in with a goal this season than we have, um, and I think that's a lot of that's down to you know how we've had to cut our cloth and how we've had to find goals from from somewhere else. I think we've scored, you know, we've got thirteen different goal scorers this season, so. It's just a reality. Don't we know we're managing without Calvert Lewin and having to? So, I think as well. I mean, I, I pause outlined that perfectly. There, I think what what Sean Dyche has done is taken away the emphasis on to Calvert Lewin not playing because I, I just felt that there's been certain times this season when the team almost felt that if you went a goal behind and Calvert Lewin wasn't playing, the game was over. But hey, it's not our fault. You can't blame me because we haven't got a striker. Mm. I'm doing my bit for the team, but nothing to do with me, boss. And I think, as you said, Paul, that came through from Lampard, that you know, the team was going out with a negative mindset before the balls even kicked because, because Calvert Lewin's not there and not fit. And it almost became a ready-made comfort blanket for the manager, for the team, and to some extent the fans, that because Calvert Lewin wasn't playing, you know, once he was fit, everything would be perfect. And quite clearly that was not going to be the case. So 
I like the way the shut Sean Dice from day one has said it's not just the strikers to score goals because it isn't. You know, successful Everton teams in the past have had goals scored in midfielders. You, know, you, you mentioned Tim Cahill before there, Adam. You know, you could always chip in double figures each season. But defenders like Jordan Lescott, who contributed double figures in the season. So it's good that other players are now accepting responsibility for scoring. Uh, you mentioned there, Lyndon, about them, 13 different goal scorers. I think since Dyches started, we've had six different goal scorers in seven games. So it's good that the goals have been spread around. And going back to Cavaloon's fitness, Paul, uh, as you pointed out, I, I, I think the dilemma is if the medical staff think he's fit enough to, you know, to make a contribution for the rest of the season, then how do we manage that? Do we bring him off the bench against Tottenham or do we start him against Tottenham and take the gamble that he might break down and that the whole plan's derailed? Me personally, if he's near to being fit, I'll put him on the bench. But you know, I don't really see why Alice Sims should be given a bit of an audition for, you know, for this role because you know, he, he stepped up to the mark against Chelsea. Uh, I did. I went across to watch Wigan against Sunderland over Christmas when he scored for Sunderland as well. And okay, it's the championship. But to me, there's not a huge amount of difference between the bottom half of the Premier League and, and top five or six in the championship at times. So, yeah, I, I definitely think he's what, you know, he, he might be worth considering for, uh, to start against starting Tottenham on Monday. He'll be itching to. Yeah, yeah, completely. He's, he's, he, mm. I was going to say, yeah, he's, he's definitely made himself a part of that conversation, having, having come back and obviously had that moment in the derby and not really been given a look in since. I think he's he's certainly right up there. Um, it's good to have contrasting options up top. Okay, one of those isn't really Dominic Calvert-Lewin. Um, and as you've all said, we, we can't really keep coming back to that um, a la Frank Lampard. Um, I think we have, to, <laughs> we have to look at these other options. I think Demari Gray's been fantastic at that selfless role and creating um, creating sort of space up the pitch and just being a bit of a nuisance, but also having that quality to hold onto the ball a little bit longer. Um, we have got Mopay, who's a bit narky like Richarlison, but doesn't really have the goals, um, sadly. Um, but yeah, now, now we've got Ellis Sims, who offers something different, who who is more powerful, who is more in the Calvert-Lewin mould. So it'll, it'll be a very interesting one to see how Deitch handles that situation. Um, coming off the back of his late cameo against Chelsea, whether he starts Ellis Sims, I, I feel like he'll probably still start with Damari Gray up top and it'll yeah, he'll essentially too. be an unchanged side. Um, it's also nice to see players like Patterson and Garner getting minutes uh, on international duty as well. Mm-hmm. I think the more bodies we have, the better, because as as we've all said, if, if we are sharing goals across the side, if we are looking at set pieces more, um, if we are wanting to share the goals around them, the more the merrier and it's it's still it's still a good chunk of a season it it feels like we're running but it's it's a it's a lot of games it's 10 10 games of football so there will be injury suspensions there will be moments where we need a deeper bench to call from that's something we've bemoaned a lot this season so i'd be interested to see if um yeah if, if those two players in particular get get minutes coming up but um i think it'll be um it, it it will be a challenge on Monday. There's no doubt about it. But I I just I just feel that there's a little a little bit of buoyancy, a bit of an upbeat feel about the group, which a couple of weeks ago wasn't there. And even going into a game like this, it it, it does feel like a bit of a cursed game. It was it was the Gomez injury as well, wasn't it? It's it, it's not yeah. been it's not been a happy mm. game for us over recent years. But when you revisit those older games, certainly 
we 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 can channel a little bit of that, I think. And hey, if it's uh, if it's anything like that five four game and we've scored five goals, then uh, I'll be I'll be more than happy. That, that would do nicely. <laughs> I like your optimism on that score. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I said one nil, but but by a single goal. Yeah, we'll, we'll get yeah. five. Yeah, well, that would do. <laughs> that would do us all, right? You're listening to the Toffee Web Podcast. As you say, Adam, this is the uh, the first of ten games between now and the end of the season. Uh, ten matches to rack up as many points as we can and, and move up the table. Hopefully enough so that we're not obsessing about how other teams are getting on week by week. Uh, this weekend's a little different, I think, mean, because because we're playing obviously on 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 Monday, and by the time we do, everyone else would have played. Um, and there are some very tasty games where the relegation picture is concerned, with Palace playing Leicester, Forest against Wolves on Saturday, and then West Ham versus Southampton on Sunday. Uh, over the past few weeks, we have been per- periodically uh, predicting the scores for all the remaining games at the uh, the WorldFootball.net website. Um, Paul T has your prediction. Um, of our final points tally changed much? Where do you have us finishing and who goes down? Oh, I love this wheeling. I mean, <laughs> I thought it was just yourself who's been, uh, who's been doing yeah, this. Yeah. Before I'm back. I, uh, I, I missed the memo on this one. I'm oh, okay, that's fine. Um, uh, so... I mean, I haven't, so I haven't, I haven't done that for the while. The last day, uh, the last I did it, oh, I can't I, I think, I, yeah, from what I recall, the last, last I looked at it, um, it's probably been like a result or two since then, but um, I think I couldn't really quite look beyond Southampton and Bournemouth and Leeds as the mm. three to go down. Now, you think, yeah, you, you do your predictions and you look at the table and you think, okay, and then it all feels like it's out the window because then that next weekend, Bournemouth will, get, will go and do something like beating beating Liverpool or Leeds got a, got a surprise and went at Wolves, you know, and then you thought Wolves are, oh, they're going to pull away now and all of a sudden they're straight back into it. It's just crackers this season, I think, in that relegation zone. Right down from what twelve downwards, it's it's uh, you know what are we a point behind a point behind there, uh, Palace and Wolves, and what just a few points off the bottom of the league as well. It's it's just insane, and there will be a there will be a point obviously where things start to sort of a few teams start to sort of disappear. Think Aston Villa. I mean, I, I think when we when we played that when we played Villa, we were thinking. Oh, okay, if we can beat them, that might just suck Villa into it a little bit there. And they beat us, and then they won a few more games, so they're completely out of sight now. So that shows what can be done. You know what I mean? If you just if you just claw a few wins together. Now, back-to-back wins are unlikely to come by against against Tottenham and Man United. But maybe in some of the games after that, when you think you've got Fulham, you've got Newcastle and stuff like that, you think Palace away. You know what I mean? You could, you could quickly string you know, three wins together, say, and then... You're kind of done, you know what I mean? So let's um, let's hope that's the case. Uh, but yeah, looking back at it, I still can't look past Leeds and um, Leeds and uh, Southampton and Bournemouth. Um, that the, 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 I'll, I'll stick with those three. I might have a go with this later, and then uh, I'll have a different answer next pod. But that's that's where I have at the moment. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with Southampton and Bournemouth there, Paul. Uh, I think Southampton, the, the squad is too young. I don't think I've got the experience to stay up there. Uh, Bournemouth, I just don't think got the quality throughout the team. I know they both the odd shock results here and then, but uh, I just can't see them you know, getting enough wins still. Yeah, I think the third relegation spot's really fascinating, isn't it? Uh, because I, like you, I thought Leeds you know, looked a strong possibility to go down, but I think the new manager has quite an impact there since he started. Uh, and I just think with Rodrigo coming back into the side as well, they've got some, they've got a goal scorer back on the team as well. So I kind of Ed, 
I've kind of reversed a little bit and I've, got, I've gone for, uh, for, for Nottingham Forest to go down purely because I'm looking at their momentum at the moment and they haven't won any of the last six games. Now, th- this th- this stage of the season, I think momentum is crucial. I think, you know, if you can put, you know, as you, you, you mentioned there for Aston Villa, if you can put a few runs, a few wins together, that really helps move you up the table. And the, I think they, you know, the, 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 the converse applies. And I just think, one thing to me, I know Forrest have, you know, have spent millions and have bought about three teams, but I, I just wonder how that's impact on the team ethos, the team resilience. Uh, I, I think they just hit a, a poor run of form at exactly the wrong time. And my outside shout, I think you mentioned before, Adam, uh, would be Crystal Palace. I think Crystal Palace at the moment is just totally devoid of momentum. They don't look like they're going to win another game. And although on paper they appear to have the easiest running, if you're not winning games, then that to an extent negates the apparent less uh, the apparent relative easiness of the fixtures. So, yeah, uh, Southampton ball for me definitely. Uh, I'm still of the opinion. I think you know, this season with it being so tight. I mean, I think in uh, six of the last seven seasons, 36 points has kept you up. Even looking back at last season, if we lost that game against Palace, we still would have stayed up by one point. Yeah, you know, so, yeah. So uh, I, I, I just think that in the last ten Premier League seasons, no team that's got thirty-eight points has been relegated. So you kind of think if you're in that window of thirty-seven to thirty-nine points, I think you're absolutely guaranteed to stay up. But I think this season, thirty-five points might just be enough to keep you up. So let's just see. Absolutely, I think. Um... It, it's worth saying as well the the table predictor game. I'm I'm terrible at this game because <laughs> firstly, firstly we 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 finished twelfth every time I've done it because I've just got, I, I don't like to see us get beat. So I'm there like oh, yeah, of course we're going to win away at Old Trafford. Um, uh, Liverpool are always like eighth as well. So it, 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 it's just so so much bias laden with it. Um, but. Um, I, I did. I tried to be more realistic. I'd, I'd just finished on forty-three points, which obviously I would, I would bite the respective hands off. It will never happen. Um, but I did. I did have the same uh, bottom three as you, uh, Paul. Um, I had uh, Southampton, Bournemouth, and Forest. Um, but it is. It's very interesting. Yeah, lo- looking at the runnings because certainly on paper it can it can appear easy to be playing sides who are in the bottom half. I mean, P- Palace's run of games coming up is just bonkers it's Leicester at home Leeds away Southampton away uh they play us um at their place then they've got Wolves away West Ham at home Spurs away which is tough then you've got Bournemouth at home Fulham away which is probably the only one where it'll be a side who could possibly have down tools by that point and then Forest at home on the last day of the season so if if their fun continues then those easy gimmies become huge but they they do become six points um and and i think sides will pull away which is where the likes of leicester i feel are probably in a false position still um and have and, and if they can come out on top in those games um i feel like leicester will start to pull away i also had wolves starting to pull away on mine but again as, as we've said momentum is so so important um it, it can take a few of those games uh to to not go your way um and that's where i think for us April um, after the um, the away trip to um, Old Trafford, um, I think I think that is a huge huge month for us in terms of games because we've got Fulham at home, which I think yeah. is um, is very winnable um, on paper at least. Um, Palace away, which is a chance to drag them into it. Hopefully, if they are 
continuing that downward trend. And then Newcastle at home, which, although tough on paper, I think is winnable. If we can pick up six, seven, who knows how many points in those three games, then it suddenly starts to look a lot rosier because if we go on the basis that we've taken a point from these next two games, that's 36 points. And I agree with you, uh, Paul M. I think that this season, it, it won't need to be a magic 40. I think it, it, it will it will not be anywhere near that. So if we can start to pull away in April, then those games towards uh, the end of the season, the the really tricky ones on paper like City um, and also those those massive games um, against Wolves and Bournemouth. Hopefully by that point we can be out of trouble and someone else will be uh, drawn into it. But um, but as I say, in terms of the uh, the Opta analytics and all that, I, I'm I'm the worst person for it. Just, yeah. <laughs> just my, just yeah. my heart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean it, it is hard to do because you know you you never to be want to go with form. And as we've seen, that can change very quickly. You know, for um, upward momentum and downward momentum can uh, can take hold. I think as 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 Palace are finding out. I mean, Palace's problem is they're not scoring goals, let alone winning matches. Um, and so this time, I ha- actually have them and Forest going down and Bournemouth surviving by uh, a couple of points. Because Bournemouth are there. I mean, they've shown in the last couple of weeks that with you know they went two 0 up at Arsenal. They obviously beat um, Liverpool. They're a strange bunch because they can. They can sort of, you know, cause upsets. Uh, and I think, you know, the longer things go on, the more they kind of view everything as a free hit. If they think that, you know, if they think that everyone thinks they're going to go down, that they have this this uh, this sort of freedom to play. Um, so I have Southampton, Palace and Forest going down. Um, and I've, like two previous times I had us finishing on 37, but now I have us on 42. So finishing at 13. So Adam, I don't think your, uh, your prediction okay. is that out of whack. If that comes to pass, um, and, and that's with us only getting a point out of the next two games. Uh, but it's dependent on us, you know, winning games like Bournemouth at home, Fulham at home, uh, winning at Palace away. Um, so, but I think, yeah, with, with, with every week, I'm just more and more comfortable with how we're playing and the fact that we, out of all of those teams, have picked up more points in the last few weeks under Sean Dyche than anybody else. Um, and so, I mean, I think one of the, the questions that, that, that Andy posed in the group as, as part of this was, is having more teams involved down there a good or a bad thing? I think it unquestionably is a good thing um, because, you know, you can just have them all draw each other and then we pull away. So <laughs> that would be nice. <laughs> it, is, it is a good thing. I just, thought, I just find it quite scary having so many teams down there as well. It's, 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 it's mad though, isn't it? <laughs> Yeah, Four it, points. Just you could just pull away and be done with it. You yeah. Know? So, my, my wife wants to book a holiday in the end of May, start of June, and we got <laughs> we got Bournemouth at home on you know, the last last week. And I can't until until I'd love to be. I'd love to know that I can. I'd love to be. I say, oh, it's it's, it's a dead rubber. Yeah, I, I need this. You know. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Just I just like listen to. If, yeah, it's been been a little while since I looked at that, and just a, a few notes to scribble down there. Bournemouth can't defend. That that, that that's the thing. They've just got hammered. This is true. Yeah. That, 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 that's that, that's their big problem. Forest. I don't think you can keep that many players happy, especially when you're struggling and you're probably searching for answers. I think that's I think that's probably going to be their problem. It does bring them into it. Leicester City. Smith said they'd be okay. They just can't get any momentum, can mm. they? Leicester, they get the odd result, and then it's another defeat. They're probably just about to scramble up that scramble safely, I suppose. But Crystal Palace, yeah, but I think appointing Roy Hodgson was a bit, a bit bizarre, quite frankly. I know, I know he knows the club well, and that's probably what they've gone for, and um, for that basis. But 
the fans aren't happy about it there, from what I understand there. They're thinking, well, we're just kind of signing our allegation forms here. And um, you say that you, you discuss their, their running that they've got and the amount of teams they've got to face. If you're one of them teams, like we are, if one of us, we fancy that, I think. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Fancy beating Palace. You know, I, I think it's it, that, that could work against Palace. I think these teams will be fancying Palace, not so much the other way around. So um, he's going to have to make an impact pretty fast for you there um, because they could be they could be right in it. You're right. So, um, yeah, you're right. It is exciting, I guess, to think of it. But I'll be, uh, be, be happier if we pull away and can watch the excitement unfold from before. I'll be, I'll be a bit happier Absolutely. then. Absolutely. Yeah, it's much nicer when you're not in the eye of the storm if you're looking at it on the on the, on yeah. the horizon. I think it's, it's worth mentioning as well, West Ham, who are obviously in the bottom three as it stands oh, yeah. and who've got a pretty terrible run-in uh, they play five of the top six, um, and three of their five games uh, to rivals in this in this relegation fight are away as well. And they've also got the added um, sort of asterisks of the Europa Conference League, which they're in the um, quarterfinal of. So they 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 play away at Fulham. They go away to Ghent. Then they've got Arsenal to come back to Ghent at home, and then back for. Uh, Bournemouth away, Liverpool home, Palace away, City away, Man United at home. It, that's, that's, that is a horrible run. Now, you, you could argue that sometimes having a cup run gives you momentum, but I, I don't think they'll be too excited about um, about that trip to Belgium in between some massive, massive games. So I, I think they're one to pay attention to. Again, on paper, similar to Leicester and, and probably as some people saw ourselves, um, at the start of the season, you would think they've got enough compared to some of the other sides. But as as we've discussed, it's it's not all it's not all done on paper, is it? A lot of it is done on momentum and form. And um, I think I think that they're another one to keep an eye on. But I do I do still feel like those those bottom two certainly write themselves. Even though Southampton and Bournemouth have shown flickers, as long as we're not in there. Eh? Exactly. Well, that's the main thing, is it? I mean, what I'm really hoping for is that you can go for your, on your holiday at the end of May because n- 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 nobody, yeah. <clears throat> nobody wants that last day drama again, do they? You know, and we've had last day dramas far too often, and it's just like you, you can only play like Russian roulette in that situation so often, can't you? So mm. we really do not want to go into that Bournemouth game needing to get a win and nightmare scenario. It's a game where they need to win and we need to win, and it's literally a winner-takes-all situation. I really don't think my heart could stand that level of tension uh, or or stress anymore. Uh, yeah, and it's a really good point there about West Ham because yeah, I've not really factored them because factored them in because I just think they've got the manager and sufficient quality in the squad to keep up. But now you mentioned that running, I, I, I might I might reflect again on, on my view about them. And you mentioned you mentioned Leicester Paul. I mean, that, that's a really good example of that because I think the one thing I think we'd all expect Leicester to be doing better given the quality of players that they have. I think there's two things with them this two that that will need to come in their favour. One, they've got to keep Madison fit. And two, somehow, they've got to get the crowd behind the manager because at the moment the atmosphere for home games are quite toxic. And we know ourselves what it's like when, when the home fans are you know are, are, are quite uh, a quite antagonistic towards the home manager. I'm sure that has an effect on players as well. So, yeah, I, I think they should stay up, but I don't think they're. I don't think they're totally out there. Yet. No, they're not. I only had them staying up on goal difference of 34 points, right. and, okay. and by yeah. my yeah. calculations, yeah. 14th through 
18th are separated only by two points. So, it, you know, it, the last day is going to be, it, it's setting up to be manic that final day. And the one thing that we haven't had in our last day escapes is um, a match against another team that's also fighting for its life on the same day. And that, I mean, that, oh God, can you imagine? <laughs> let's, let's not, let's not. Um, let's, um, let's move on to uh, another unpalatable question. Uh, the Independent Commission looking into Everton's alleged breach of financial rules, uh, specifically, and this was Andy's question, so it's a pity he couldn't be on this evening, but uh, what does our squad look like next season in the event we stay up but are handed a transfer embargo and can't sign any new players? Um, it's an interesting one because you've got some players out of contract in the summer, some of whom would definitely be on their way under normal circumstances. Uh, you've got others like Neil Molpe who haven't quite fit in, uh, and there was a report, I think, that we'd arranged either a loan or a sale to Salernitana in Italy in January. Uh, before the sacking of Frank Lampard changed things. Uh, so, Paul M., uh, what are your thoughts? We can't sign anyone, so who stays, who goes, who steps up from the youth setup? Well, be- before I answer that question, I- I'd like to know, has anybody at the club had has a read of the Bielsa file that he did when he was in discussions about the manager's job? Because <laughs> oh, yeah. Bielsa's original plan, his original plan, wasn't it, was to take the under-21s and work with them for six weeks and see what he could do with them. Now, given the amount of research that Bielsa does, I'm sure he must have identified some potential in that under-21 team who could step mm-hmm. up to first team level. So, you know, I, I, I'm hoping he didn't just walk out the room and, and keep the dossier with him and say, you're not getting your hands on this, because really, someone <laughs> at the club should have made sure they got a copy of that. Uh, but in all seriousness, going back to your question, who, who stays, who goes, yeah, I, I think... I'm I'm also looking at who can come back into the team. So if you've got Brantway out on loan, so if he comes mm-hmm. back, then you can let Holgate go, you can let Nina go because you because you, you you've got cover you've got cover there in in the centre. Uh, looking as well, I mean Lewis Dobbins done okay down at Derby County this season. I, I know it's League One, but he's somebody else who could possibly come back in and be another attacking option for the team. We've uh, got some you know. Players who are in the first team squad at the younger end of the age spectrum, like Stanley Mills, Isaac Price, who've not really had the chance to get into the team, probably because of the, of the plight that we're in at the moment. But they're, they're being touted as quite good prospects. I think Charlie Whisker and the other 21 is also raising highly as well. So there may be some, you, some good players coming through. In terms of who we move on, yeah, Adam outlined there that, you know, much as we'd like to have Lon on a five-year contract, I think it's time for him to move on. Uh, I, also, I, I also don't see a future for Mason Holgate at the club. I, I don't really see what he brings to us. I think Gomez and Ali are a contract this summer, so they move on. Uh, Gabarman, he's got another year to go. I can't see him being back at Goodison, so maybe we can, we can get some money for him off no, somebody. Uh Got Enkonku out on loan as San Etienne, who's done reasonably okay. So you mentioned the left back situation, Paul. I, I don't know if, if he's an answer there, but you know, if you can't buy anybody, it might be somebody we have to consider. Uh yeah, so it, it's as, as being a cynic, what I would say is if we have a transfer embargo, given how disastrous our transfer recruitment has been over the past four or five years, <laughs> is it that bad a thing? It's <laughs> a good <Okay>. point. <laughs> I mean, I guess yes, yes and no, because yes, it means we don't make any more failings in the transfer market, but no, it means we're stuck with a lot of our failings in the transfer market. Um, but then, as you say, you, you look at the squad and certain players um, who who would come into the fold, who maybe wouldn't have got gotten as easy a route to a first team uh, otherwise. I think the likes of uh, 
as you mentioned, Jared Branthwaite coming back from loan, um, is someone who a lot of fans have earmarked as um, some, someone who could potentially walk into a first team based on his performances um, this season on loan at PSV. Um, I think there are obviously areas where there would be concern. Um, I think if you look at the amount of players leaving, the likes of Andrews Townsend as well, certainly those wide positions, you, you would really need someone like Stanley Mills to really, really step up. Um, it's interesting that uh, we let Frank Lampard go, who was a manager who worked under a transfer embargo at Chelsea um, quite successfully, um, as it happens. <laughs> um, so that, that, that could have been interesting to see. But it, it would... It would not be the worst thing in the world based on some of the business we did um, this summer in terms of certainly our midfield, our central midfield. I think that's an area where we're stronger now. And if we could um, extend, I assume we could take out the option on Decore's contract um, unless unless we left it too late. So that would be an option. Uh, likes of Iwobi still under contract. Um, it's it's again it, it's. As always, it's that top end of a pitch. You you would really, you really need the likes of. Uh, j- just checking with Deli Ali. I I thought he had another year to run after this summer. So he does, he, yeah. He so he, he would yeah, twenty twenty four. Um. So that that would be an interesting problem to have because it's an area of a pitch where we need someone, but he's arguably not the option. And if we're talking about financial fair play, then he's certainly. Um, he's certainly not the option either in terms of uh, wages. So it, it it would be an interesting dilemma to face, but maybe um, maybe not the worst problem. Although it's it's when you start to look at those problem positions, you mentioned left-back earlier as well, Paul. Um, you look at those sorts of areas of a pitch and you think, oh, that, that, that would have been an area to strengthen if, if that option's taken away and there isn't someone coming up through, through the youth side. Um who looks promising, then it, it, it does become an issue, doesn't it, when uh, when you can't rectify that in the transfer market? Yeah. I think you have to look at it in terms of just survival. You know, just mm-hmm. trying to... If, let's assume it's 12 months. You just try and get through that season. And and in which case, I think we'd probably have enough, particularly with Sean Deitch in charge. Um, Andre Gomez actually has another year to run, I think, on his contract. So, uh, But I would imagine that you know, he's one player that... That we'd probably look to, to to move on and be able to do that uh, quite quite easily. I suppose it's more my concern would be more over what some of our um, more established players and more saleable assets and perhaps more ambitious players like Onana, like Jordan Pickford, would view the situation. Given that you know, okay, we're not going to be signing anyone, so we're not going to be kicking on. We're going to just try and tread water for a year. You know, would they try and leave? In which case, that causes. Um, that causes problems that we wouldn't ordinarily be facing. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting one. It's an interesting one because there are some players who, you know, who clearly we would might be looking to move on, but would have to retain just out of necessity. So. Lyndon, do you think it's helped the fact that Richardson, after leaving Everson, hasn't actually progressed his career and that might play in the minds of some other players? The likes that you mentioned about whether leaving Everson would be the best thing for their career. You know, it could do. I mean, I suppose it does depend on where they go. I think I think many of us could have looked at and, and seen Richarlison going to Tottenham and thinking, how many games are you actually going to start down there? Um, given that there's Kane and, and Son, I think someone like Jordan Pickford will obviously go to Spurs and assume that he's going to be the long-term replacement for um, 
for Hugo Lloris. But, you know, an, an Onana going to somewhere like Chelsea or Arsenal could find himself playing second fiddle for quite a long time. So, yeah, no, I, I agree. It's, uh, it's uh, you know, you, you'd want, you'd want obviously want them to look, to look long term. And obviously Onana being on the younger end would be easier to do that. He would say, okay, I'll stick around another year and see what happens. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's hopefully not not a dilemma that we have to entertain, but um, you know, it's it, it's a possible, and who knows? I suppose we'll find out. I guess uh, he's played more games than Dan Juma, anyway. So there's, <laughs> <laughs> there's that's true. Um, <laughs> Penny for his thoughts, by the way. <laughs> yeah, well, we hopefully we might might see them on Monday, mm. um, but um, <laughs> yeah, sorry, pettiness got the better of me there. Um, I think it will have a, oh, I don't know if I would. I'm not sure what would be better. Maybe getting like a like a six point penalty than than a transfer ban, and then like basically you got to sign players with what we can spend. I guess there is that there is that as a factor in as well. But I mean, that's basically you got to sign enough players that are going to get you two that are going to contribute to getting you two more wins than what you would get without, and that's yeah. and, that, and, and that's that paid for. If you know what I mean, and then you got players to kick on with for the future. You know what I mean? So um, I wonder if that might be a um, I don't know. <laughs> you don't get the choice, do you? But um, I wonder if that—I don't know—that would perhaps be slightly more favourable. I don't know. Uh, but to see, we'll have to see how that how that goes. Um, Knowing our luck, we'll get both. <laughs> imagine that. God. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I don't know about a couple of them players out on loan. Um, I didn't. I didn't actually think of Dobbin. I think Tom Tom, Tom Carvel seems to be having a pretty productive time at Preston. He does. I think yeah. He looks like yeah. he's got like a. Yeah, he looks like he could quite look at that, a few good attributes. So for you know, could could make a good addition to the forward line. Um there's some obvious ones in defence that you'd be looking to to move on. Um and the midfield, I suppose like I mean, again we were having that chat the other week of uh, but you know, should we give uh, Awobi a new deal? <laughs> and obviously like in, in you know, looking at it now, you'd be like bloody absolutely if we're gonna be if, if we're gonna be facing a um <laughs> fa- yeah, facing a transfer a transfer ban. But then that that puts it, you know, that you'd think he's going to, you know, he might look at it and go, hmm, hang on, I want to see what happens with that before I sort of sign up to anything, you know what I mean? And then you've only got a year left in this contract and then we've got to make a decision pretty quick, which is a bit tough on Everton then because you've got a player going into his last, last year of his contract and if you keep hold of him uh, without being able to sign anybody else, then he leaves for free probably at the end of that season or you cash in knowing that you can't replace him, you know what I mean, because you can't sign anybody because you're the transfer ban. So there's, there's a lot of dilemmas like that. To factor in, um, players come back from loan. Gomez, Deli Ali. I remember Chelsea signed a player, didn't they, when they had the transfer ban because it was already a kind of an agreed deal. Um, Is it Pulisic? You, know, you probably could sign Deli Ali, but Kovacic. that was it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that was it. Yeah, so we probably could sign Deli Ali, but Sean Dyche isn't going to want yeah. it. Isn't yeah. going to want Deli Ali. Let's be realistic. No. I mean, it's, it's, there's no way um, he'd, be, he'd be any use. So he'll want out his contract and be off, or probably on loan somewhere. Um, Gomez, you probably be probably similar. Well, he still he hangs around and doesn't play a lot. I don't know, but like you, you think from that midfield, I suppose I don't see him as a Sean Dyke sort of player either. But maybe just someone who, who can perhaps come on and affect the game. There might be might be a role for Andrew Gomez, perhaps coming back. But um, it's slim pickings, isn't it? From the players coming back from loan, Gabam, and it's hard to have any any real faith in realistically. Um, but yeah, think about it. About all them, you'd, you'd keep an honour rather than sell them. This in, in that instance, on that on that basis, you'd give you'd give the core another year. Yeah, he'd probably there's enough there probably to be okay with Dice at the helm, and uh, he's the man, the man, the man, and the right man for that. Sorry, so uh, yeah, we probably probably just about cope okay for the ban and hopefully get um, 
get everything in place for the season after. But uh, yeah, it's a headache we'll uh, we'll uh, we'll meet in the summer, I, I imagine, because I think that noise will go away a little bit in these next few weeks as we, you know, as we concentrate on the on the on the league and uh, like you say, get enough wins in the next ten to, to get ourselves out of there. Yeah, I'd agree both. I think as well, I mean, he looked at Deitch's uh, time at Burnley and he was never one for splashed out on you know, making the big signings, was he? he? He was always one to get the best out of the tools that he had there. So you can see, I think we've seen the difference he's made since he's joined the club. So, you know, the, the, you kind of hope, you know, if we, you know, assume that we stay up in Deitch with next season, that, okay, the transfer ban, okay, we don't want to be in that situation, but I think we've got enough there to, you know, to, as you said, Linda, just to be, Treat it as a season where we we just get through the season with maybe, you know, something unthinkable like a cup run thrown in at some stage. You know, just 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 give the fans something to hang on to. So yeah, yeah, uh, and I, 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 I mean, part of me just wonders. You know, you've, we've seen so many promising youngsters come. You know, look like they're going to make a good or something. Tom Davis, thinking Tim Ross Barkley, thinking John Joe Kenny, who've never quite moved on to that next level, and you, you just kind of think. Isn't it about time that one of our young prospects actually cemented a place in the team? Wouldn't it be good to have a crop of under twenty ones, you know, two or three of them, you know, making the team next season and you know, improving improving the club as well? Absolutely would. Absolutely would. We are long overdue, aren't we, for a, uh, someone to really come out of there and explode? And it, and it makes such a difference to financial fair play as well when you when you can sell a player that you. Produce and develop it's yourself. Huge difference. Look at that Anthony Gordon money. Yeah. It's just money in the bank. So it's yeah. it's definitely the way forward. And um, yeah, hope, hopefully out of that crop of youngsters. Um, I, I did when you're talking about uh, Sean Dyche and Deli Ali Paul. It, it just just the image of Sean Dyche's face <laughs> when he turns up for training. It's like like your like oh, your yeah. dad if someone's picking your sister up for prom. You're like <laughs> <Yeah>. no. <laughs> Get fined every day for putting shin pads on. Yeah, like that. We're wearing a smooth. Yeah. yeah, failing the beep test. Oh. <laughs> Didn't hear I had headphones on. Yeah. All right, we'll leave it there on that uh, moment of comparative uh, levity. Uh, thanks very much, fellas. Uh, we'll leave it there for next week. Until next week, uh, when we'll be back to discuss the Spurs game and the state of the relegation picture after the weekend's action. Uh, We hope you'll tune in then, but until then, thanks for listening. Take care, and come on, you blue boys.